Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Pete Thamel. If Ed Orgeron did get a spa treatment, what would his treatment be? <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. I would love to see coming. Ed Orgeron at a spa. <laughs> would be like... Bring him to the camelback. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be like one of the best things ever. Put cucumbers on his eyes and stuff, yeah. you know? Here's Pat and Pete. Okay, welcome to the podcast. We have completed the college football semifinals. Pat Forty here with Pete Thamel. Dan Wetzel is lollygagging around Santa Monica on vacation. The biggest games of the year, and Wetzel isn't with us. So you know who are your favorite podcasters. It's it's myself and it's Pete. And we're actually in my hotel room in Scottsdale after oh, the Oh, it's Fiesta a suite. Bowl. Let's just be clear here. It's not a room. It's a suite. It's pretty sweet. It is 2.48 a.m. 2.48 a.m. As we've promised to do many times on this podcast, we have put a dent in Pat's Big City Magazine expense account and rated the mini bar. Yep. And I am proud to say that Dan is not here. This is the first time my name has been pronounced right on the podcast (laughs) in two years of doing it. So we're already on a roll. We should tape every week at 2.49 a.m. We should. Yes. We should. Unfortunately, it's 2.49 and we're sober. We just, yes, we just very cracked sober. the minibar because we just got back from the stadium. We wrote our columns. We came here. And, uh, you know, at least, hey, we saw one great game. Great game. You know, the semifinals have been duds forever, but we saw a damn good one here, Pete. Two for 11 on semis until this game. Yeah. Like, uh, essentially competitive games. And I'll be curious what kind of rating it does because I just feel like that's a game that would suck people in. Oh, yeah. Suck them in because there was – Everything. You had the 28-game winning streak. You had defending champions. You get star power. Ohio State always rates like a monster. Yeah. Um, we could talk about this game for two hours, and then at, in the middle of like the last five minutes, be like, oh, we didn't talk about this one <laughs> giant thing that happened. You know right. what I mean? It's like when I read my column tomorrow, I'm going to like smack my hand in my face and be like, I barely like, for example, I thought the biggest play of the night would be the fourth and two call where they did that little rocker mm. step out of the Dan Mullen sort of playbook. And obviously, Alave catches the touchdown. Yeah, pass. Fields to Alave. Yes. Put, put him ahead. Put him know. ahead. And that becomes like a completely irrelevant footnote because yeah. so much happens in the 11 minutes after. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the game had everything, right? It had huge players making huge plays. It had one searingly controversial call. It had three other calls that impacted scoring in significant ways, at least three others, as you look at it. It had J.K. Dobbins being awesome. It had J.K. Dobbins being a goat by dropping two touchdown passes. It had. It just had a little bit of, yeah, 
a little, little bit of everything. So yeah, as you said in your column, a lot to unpack. Uh, and we will attempt to unpack as much as we can here uh, this evening. Again, a hell of a game. Uh, Clemson escapes. Clemson survives in a game where it looked for a part of it that they were dramatically outplayed, like they were going to get run off the field. And they, they rally. They make a few big plays in the first half. They take the lead in the second half. They lose the lead. And then Trevor Lawrence leads the game-winning drive. But, I mean, for the longest time... I thought that they were going to get not just beaten, but beaten badly. Clemson won. They deserved to win. I'm not arguing that. But, like, Ohio State is a better football team than Clemson. Like, if you I, – I believe I believe if you watch that game, you think they're more talented. More talented doesn't mean better football team. Well, certainly Clemson won. I'm not saying that. 29-23, final score. I know. I, I saw the final score. But I feel like Ohio State squandered an opportunity with a better roster to win on a neutral field against a juggernaut dynasty that just won its 29th game is a, you know could potentially and we'll get into it a little bit yeah we haven't even mentioned lsu oklahoma like, yeah, <laughs> like, no. that was like a, we'll was like a spring that. training yeah. game in surprise yeah. between yeah. The, like the twins <laughs> and the white Sox. yeah because <laughs> like ah, whatever uh seven first half touchdowns yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joe burrow your dominance bores us <laughs> no but i mean they absolutely squandered the opportunity, you know, but that's the part of being a great team is not squandering those opportunities. You know, now, could it have easily been 24 or 28 to nothing at one point? Absolutely. Sure could have. And, uh, you know, they, there was the targeting call, which I think was a correct call. You can hate the rule, but I don't think you can hate the application of it here. Agree 100 percent. That it really if that doesn't happen. Clemson's in a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. um because they're punting right because it was a perfectly it had to crush jeff halfley's soul because you have that one blitz and you dial it up at the perfect time and you get your safety going full barrel at trevor lawrence to crush a drive near midfield they'd start to get a little bit of momentum yeah they have to punt it's third and long and so all of a sudden there remember trevor lawrence goes down like think about how oh yeah think about how that they were seven Clemson medical officials or trainers <laughs> or water people around him on the field and he's laying in a clump. It looked like his knee landed awkwardly. Right. He said after he just got a stinger. So all of a sudden, if you're Clemson, you're like we're punting again. I don't know how many possessions straight that would have been without points, but right. it would have been a lot. Yeah, at least four. Your quarterback, franchise quarterback, looks hurt. Yeah, right. And oh yeah, basically you're punting away the game, like waiting to get kicked in the face. Yeah. And instead. Ohio State loses a first-round pick in the secondary, and they immediately went and picked on Amir Reap, who, who went in to replace him. And I didn't see Amir Reap much the rest of the night, which means no. they, they put in Josh Proctor or whoever it was. Very quickly, two, three plays later, Clemson scores. Everything changed. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. No, I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, I mean, they were teetering that much on the brink, you know. And even in the half, now after that, then you know, the Lawrence had the unbelievable 67-yard run. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're that's the thing where this guy almost is a little bit unfair, like the talent level, because he is six, six and he's got the best arm in college football and he's going to be the number one pick. But then you throw in the ability to do that. And now, OK, did you know, did Ohio State screw up the play? Yeah, but still, there aren't a lot of six, six rocket arm quarterbacks that could run 67 yards and score like, you know, I mean, so that was you know, unbelievable. And that gets it to 16, 14. And then Clemson's going to the locker room. Like, yeah, we just robbed the bank. 
So they scored twice in the final three minutes, essentially. Right. And Brent Venable said a great locker room after. He's always been a very blunt guy. I've always appreciated that. He's like, we're getting our butts kicked. Yeah. You know? Like, but a couple red zone stops, a couple drops, like all the, like, yeah. a fantastic series of events had to happen to invite Clemson back in that game. And they yeah. all happened consecutively, momentum built. And then it was like, instead of another blowout, another, <laughs> another poor semifinal. Mm-hmm. At 255, I will curse occasionally. <laughs> You end up with this like heavyweight. Yeah, right. You know, and that's like absolutely the the difference in mindset going to the locker room where Clemson's like, oh my gosh, we you know we just dodged the biggest bullet, and Ohio State's going and saying, man, we 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 had them, we had them, and we missed the knockout blow. And as you mentioned, Dobbins, who was so good with those big runs early on, but he drops two touchdown passes. You know, one of them was a tough catch. Makeable. The other one was just a, a horrible drop. Yes, that's you know? that's the one that will haunt history. Yeah, and that was a great call by Ryan Day. Oh, well, pass. he went back to it later. Yeah, right. On that final drive, yeah. and in Olave, obviously, we can get into him a little bit more later on the final play, essentially the final play of the game. But I thought Ryan Day called a heck of a drive. Oh yeah, you, you know, in the in you had said it a couple of times. Pat and I sat next to Pat and I have sat next to each other basically for three straight days. Yeah. Uh, but we sat next to each other the game and. When Ohio State went tempo, they were very effective. Mm-hmm. And the first drive of the game that ended in a field goal really mimics their last drive of the game in a lot of ways, I thought. Right. They they took sort of the easy throws, chip, gone, chip, move, chip, mm-hmm. move, chip, moved. You know, just some great play calls. Third and short, they run the quarterback. He pulls it, makes the right decision. Yeah, they really uh, – it really all felt like Ohio State was going to win. Like that, yeah. that last drive as they – Hit three kind of gashes, like twenty-eight yard gashes. But yeah. they they hit seven, nine yards. Boom, 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 and they're moving. You're like, okay, they're gonna, yeah, you right. know, no, they were moving easily there at the end, and then yeah, then I mean, we can let let before we get to that, let's let's dial back for just a second to they make the throw to Alave and take the lead on that great call, fourth and one, right? Fourth two and two. Okay, all right. I mean, I saw the you know, yeah. Long, right, long one, short two, but a great call by Ryan Day there to really go for that. And you had talked that Ryan Day said that they're going to need to be bold in this game. And I thought for the most part they were. Yeah, it was an interesting moment. And I think our listeners uh, enjoy some of this kind of stuff. So I did a goofy story about Ryan Day, about him playing pickup basketball at BC. So I took the bus back after media day with Ohio State. And it, I had asked Ryan what I needed to ask him. So I just kind of like started small talk a little bit, like to learn as I'm watching the game. And sometimes, you know, coaches like Ryan are really good and saying, hey, here's a couple things we're thinking about just so mm-hmm. you know, you're watching the game. You know, they do this stuff with the TV crews and everything. And I said, Ryan, I'm like, hey, what's your what's your biggest concern? Mm-hmm. And he got like not annoyed, but he was a little bit like, we don't have concerns. Really? He was just like, he was like, look, we're going to we're going to go out there and let it rip. He's, and this is his quote. I'm not going to call it tight. We have to be bold. We yeah. have to be aggressive. We can't be afraid to fail. Yeah. And so I had tweeted that out early in the game when they really like when they I think they opened with six or seven passes. Right. Yeah. They were almost all pass. If we had done like a very X's and O's pregame podcast and you said how which you, Wetzel how you, would like try to fire. Yeah, us no, if Wetzel, we did. Wetzel's not definitely already yeah. stopped listening to this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um we actually were talking about football. Yeah. Um I would have said, I think. Because 
I covered a couple of their games this year, be it the early Wisconsin game, Penn State, and Ryan Day was very conservative in the first quarter of those games. It was almost like probing and feeling and a lot of run. And I think he had a he's had a lot of confidence in their interior of their offensive line, which are the strengths of the team. Right. And I felt like Clemson's weakness coming into the game would have been their defensive front, unproven, untested. So in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I think Ohio State will try to run down their throat early, Mm -hmm. set the tone, et cetera. And he did completely the opposite. Right. Yeah. Um, They came out chucking. Yes. And they got some good matchups and their guys made catches. Yes. I mean, they had had a lot of stuff going. So they, they make the fourth and one, two call. And right there, you think, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, this game had gone back and forth to a degree. It looked for the longest time like Clemson's beaten. Then it looks like Clemson has captured the momentum and they've taken the lead and then they lose the lead. And then they get kicked down to the six yard line with three minutes left. And it's like, wow. okay. And here was what I wrote about then was just like, okay, Football has been easy for Trevor Lawrence, basically, like from the outside looking. I mean, it's it's not nothing's that easy. But look, he's got all the physical talent. He wins everything. He's the number one recruit. He goes in there. He's, he is literally undefeated as a college player. Well, here it is. It's 25 pretty hard. and 0. Yeah. But it's pretty friggin' hard now. You are on your six-yard line against a team that has knocked you around quite a bit. He, they ran him more than he has ever run because they had to. He took a lot of shots. And now you got to go be clutch. You got to be tough and you got to be clutch. And he did it. Came through brilliantly. Yeah, Dabo had a quote I thought was pretty telling in the post game. He said, we thought running Trevor was the great equalizer. Right. And it sounded like like a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament saying, we need to play zone to like <laughs> slow down their right. athleticism. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that was a little bit what I was intimating earlier about who I thought the more talented, better team was. Mm-hmm. Because that was like Dabo almost like was approaching it in the way he was talking about their defense, especially with this like real strong underdog mentality. Um, well, yeah, they, they were going to have to deviate basically from the way they played. You know? And so Pat says the scene that, that he wrote his column about, it's three plus minutes, it's 94 yards. Day was getting some criticism after the game for punting there. I didn't mind him punting there. Now, they no. were in the 30, like 37 maybe. It was like fourth and fourth and 37. And Day's been aggressive all year. Right. But I felt like punting there, like the way their defensive front had played. Yeah. I, and first, Drew Christman's going to put it inside the yes. 10. You oh, know, yeah. He's like the yeah. best yes. location punter in football. Yeah. And so I would have taken the chance with my defense at that point. Yeah. The one Now, the, 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 a brief segue here. The, the one area where we could criticize Day, I think, is not going for two. That was – completely idiotic yeah that i don't know what what the thought process was or if there was one but it was 22 21 and they kicked the extra point to make it 23 that does you no good zero good and as now there's maybe like a don't chase points until the final 10 minutes argument but on that drive and there was only four players and took like a minute and 10 seconds right the lawrence drive but like as i'm going down i'm like man if clemson kicks a field goal and wins here Ryan Day is going to be like hung yeah. on a clothesline. Oh, if it ends next. up 24-23 and you passed up an obvious two-point, yes. then yeah. yeah. I, I was just like, that would not that would not be a good offseason for, uh, for, for him. But um, I thought generally, like for him coaching, and he's coaching big games this year, like I thought, especially because he's a play caller, you can really judge. I thought he did a pretty good job. I think that was a glaring weakness. I don't even know because so much crazy stuff happened in the game if he was actually asked about that. Yeah, I, 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 don't I read know. his That's transcript. Thing. I didn't see yeah. it, yeah. but I was skimming a little bit. Might not have. Um, and then it, it ended up like it could have mattered, 
but it didn't matter. Yes. You know, so it's it's one of those things that you can you can speculate on, but but then they're up two, yeah, and they have the ball. And at one point I was like, he may end up looking smart, because then they're up nine. Right. Right. And then it's yeah. like, okay, it's a two score game. And yeah, and, you know, like, yeah, right. And, no, exactly. And that, if they had scored a touchdown. Yes. There. If they if they didn't, mm-hmm. but they didn't but, enough. Yeah. So but it's so it's like they get the ball and Lawrence was everything he needed to be. And I say it was it was his Deshaun Watson moment. If yeah, you remember the drive the Deshaun it, Watson oh, yeah. led against Alabama in twenty sixteen for the title. And this and you know, he led one in twenty fifteen, but they just yeah, lost right. yeah, yeah. yeah. he ran it in from like twenty yards out. Yes. But, uh, you know, Lawrence hits an 11-yard pass to Justin Ross. Then he runs for 11. Then he hits uh, Amani Rogers or Amari Rogers, I'm sorry, for, for like 38. And then the Popeye was the name of the play, uh, the pop pass, where it's a fake counter run by Lawrence. And he comes up, you know, and throws. And ETN circles out of the backfield, and he beats Josh Proctor, you know. And, and, and Lawrence said, like we practiced the play, I hated the play. Didn't like the play. They weren't they weren't executing it well. I've never seen that type of pop pass not in the red zone. Yeah, right, right. It was it was very far out. Like like it, you know? how many times did the thirty four yard Dan Mullen call that with Tebow or whoever? Yeah. As like as like you in essentially there was a version of that that Fields ran when he hit Olave for the touchdown on fourth and short. Right, and they had tried it two plays before mm-hmm. um, in in another scenario, but. When they ran that, I was like, are they? Did they? And then <laughs> one of the big criticisms I would have Ohio State tonight is like some of their secondary guys, Proctor jumps out. There were a few guys who were a little allergic to tackling tonight. Yeah, I mean, and that's and the guy that first they of all, they didn't. Lawrence, on the long Lawrence run. Right. They didn't, they didn't tackle Lawrence and they didn't tackle ETN, but a lot of people don't tackle ETN. Yeah. You know, and he was really good tonight. Oh, yeah. He really he was, was. He was excellent. He only had 10 carries. I know. I, th- I, I thought only had Clemson like- was blowing it at times for going two possessions in a row without having him touch the ball. Oh, no. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. Now, some of it might have been like zone read stuff. Right. Where what they yeah. saw and what was happening. Yeah. Um, there were guys on the inside at Ohio State, like, B.B. Landers had a heck of a game. Yeah. You know, Chase Young did not have huge stats, but was disruptive mm. and drew a lot of attention. Some guys had big games off of uh, off of Chase Young. Like Baron Browning had a sack. They had lined right. up Chase Young on the inside. Right. He draws attention. Baron Browning gets a one-on-one, and, you know, he's going to win that a lot of times. He's an explosive linebacker, obviously. But, yeah, there were some there were some secondary tackling issues, and they paid for them. You know, they, they, were, they were fatal mistakes. But I tell you, Etienne is a hell of a player, oh. and he made some big plays. You know, one of I mean? his scoots was just like you just yeah. watched him run away from right. That, that was some acceleration. That was big time speed. And so okay, you know, if we're kind of semi chronologically going through this, oh, we've, we have not been chronological. Yeah. We've been a complete. <laughs> we're all over like, the place. Yeah, we're like an ink blot test at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but Clemson scores. They 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 do the deal, but there's a lot of time left. And then Ohio State mounts the drive. And Pete, what the hell happened on the last play? So this is what I wrote about. Chris Olave, he he belly flopped on the sword. Yeah. So it was really interesting. There were some great shots of it on, on TV. So Justin Fields throws a post. And he throws a post like a great quarterback should. That got, He is not even close to his break yet. Right. So yep. Olave is cutting into the end zone or, or cutting towards the end zone about should have broken towards the post in his mind. He thought fields was scrambling. Right. And because of that, 
the route he needs to run a field to scrambling is to cut away to the corner. So he tries to pirouette to go away from the corner, slips on the oddly slick surface, mm-hmm. falls on his derriere. I mean, it essentially ended up a can of corn interception for Nolan Turner. Now, one of the great, like, bar conversations in Columbus as they're waiting for signing day would be, if Chris Olave went the right way, do you think he beats Nolan Turner for a touchdown? It looked like a pretty good ball. Yeah. Now, there was some air under it. Maybe Nolan Turner comes in and makes a play. He did not do it on the fourth and two play. Chris Olave, I think, is a, like, transcendently good college receiver. It's excellent. I mean, he's he's just been awesome from the Michigan game last year when he brought the punt. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a really high-end, first-team All-American type wide receiver there. Is he Mike Thomas? No, but in in the orbit of Ohio State receivers in the last 10 years, I would think he's in the next trajectory. Right. Um, all that said, he made a critical error, cost his team the game, and to his credit, sat there for 20 minutes and answered questions over and over and over about it, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not. And you know what? That's I'm glad you brought that up because at times I think we need to step back and give some admiration to these young yes. players who get in these situations yes. and handle them with an incredible amount of poise and responsibility. And there's a lave there. And I'm thinking of uh, Samir Doughty from Auburn who fouled yeah, no, the three-point shooter. I remember shooter. I thought about that tonight. You know, yeah. and the it, same thing. Yes. Stood in there and answered every question. Yes. And it's like, wow, you know what? Good yes. for you guys. Yes. That's, that's and character. It, it, and, and I thought of it in the Doughty case. And like, if you don't answer him tonight, yeah, it's just going to be this like anvil over your head until yeah. you do answer him at some point. Right. right. And it's, it's going to be awful then too. Yeah. And Olave was sitting there and kind of knew it was coming. Nobody walked up to him right away because I just think there was like that nervousness. And I yeah. went up to him and I said, hey, look, I know this is hard to talk about. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask a couple mm-hmm. questions. And I went, he was sitting and I went and kind of like knelt in front of him. Yeah. And then like 30 seconds later, there was like, here 40, comes everybody. Yeah, like 40 yeah. people behind me. So I got out of there at a certain point because yeah, right. there was just everybody was up. But, you know, I mean, his quotes were, uh, I mean, they were like right from like the heartbreak diaries. Yeah. It was my mistake. I definitely put it on me. I put the game on my shoulders and uh, I essentially wrote my column around this notion. It's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. And for Ohio State, like for their fan base, for their program, for their administrators, even Gene Smith was like it. That, like that is the lowest of low. Yeah. When you outplay a team and you have more talent than them, and you end up losing, like it was just like I feel like that whole orbit was just in this like state of like shock and trying to rationalize it all. And we haven't even talked about the Justin Ross play yet. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's it. Yeah, I was going to get to we it can, next. We, we will, that, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we can, we can finish the uh, finish the Olave thought, but it's like the great what if. Can you imagine? Like he was basically like I was targeted for the game winning touchdown in the college football playoff. Yeah. Like they called my number. Right. I screwed up, and I sat on the ground and watched this like somewhat mediocre safety who I just torched. My words, not his. Get the game winning interception. Like that is not a good feeling. Now, did he get called for like an unsportsmanlike after that? Somebody did. Somebody did. I don't know. Oh, it was Clemson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I, thought it, yeah. I don't know. I, I think was, so. It was chaos. I was trying yeah. to like. I mean, it didn't really matter. Yeah, it did not matter at all. Yeah. But I just didn't know what happened. Yeah. I think it was somebody for Clemson. But uh, you know, all they did then was took a knee, and that was it. But now the other the controversy. Yes. Uh, we talked about the targeting call. 
But I mean, like, you know, the Ohio State fans are going to recriminate for nine million years over this. This will be the play that people talk about 10 years from now. When talking about this. Right. Is is the 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 Justin Ross fumble, non-fumble on the the strip. Good a strip. And That's it was a good. big time strip. Yeah. Right. No, it was a hell of a play. And Jordan Fuller picked it up. That's right. And Fuller. quite frankly, made a heck of a return. Yes, he did. Yeah, he, weaved his way through, broke a tackle, yes. and scores. And so the call on the field is fumbled. On review, they overturn. We were, again, sitting next to each other in the press box, and we were both kind of, like, ambivalent. Yes. Not, you know, not uninterested, but ambivalent. Like, not really sure. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, my God, that was a fumble. Oh, my God, it wasn't. It was, but our ambivalence led to the conclusion that everybody else had. All right, if there's no stand-on-the-table conclusion here, you got to keep what they called in the field. Yeah. And if they kept what they called on the field, like I don't think there would be like any kind of uh, any kind of uproar of any significance. Now Terry McCauley, who I've got to know well when he was the Big East slash American head of officials, he's he's refereed Super Bowl, so like he yeah. knows what he's talking about. He took affront to the overturn. Yeah, he thought it was clearly a fumble. And again, it's like the two. It's like if you watched it in real time, you're like that's not a catch. If you watch it in slow motion, it looks like it's clearly a catch. He took steps. And yeah. then it becomes this whole existential question of what is a catch, which quite right. frankly bores the heck Well, and it's, it's the most annoying question yes. in football. There's yes. a lot of them yes. annoying questions. But, you know, I, yeah, I, that, I, what is a catch is, is incredibly stupid and annoying. But in this instance, yeah, and that's exactly what I said. I, at full speed, I said incompletion. On replay and you're watching, it's like one step, two step, three steps. Mm. Oh, that's he kind of has it like here. Right. What happened was he never – here, like an, like our listeners can see what here is, but he has it probably like a foot away from his body. Right. But he never brought it to his body in part because Akuda yeah, has was, his was arm shoving linked it yeah. under him like a good yeah. defensive back does, and then he like karate chopped the ball out basically. Mm -hmm. And so I am surprised that they overturned it because it just it, I felt like in real time there I was like oh. They didn't call it incomplete because they wanted to let the play play out, so then they could bit, replay right. bail them out. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That right. was how, you know, which is generally the preferred way, I think, because if you know, don't don't blow dead a play that could end up being a huge play. So, and then yeah, so they they overturn, and many people are angry. Not the least of which is uh, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith. Yes. So I tweet out Terry McCauley's tweet, basically eviscerating this call. And uh, so I'm going to scroll through my story here. Uh, and Terry, by the way, is one of the smarter officials I've ever dealt with. Bright guy. Um, not a like hog headline kind of guy. Not a not a guy looking for retweets like he is a he is a straight laced dude. His quote on Twitter was there's absolutely no way replay should have reversed. It. And again, he's got no dog in the fight. He's got nothing. And then indisputable video evidence is simply not there, which I generally agree with. Yeah. You know, like I put that out in the Twitterverse, kind of telling people who Terry is a little bit because he's not like a household name to the mm -hmm. common college football fan. And Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith texts me after, and he says he agrees with Macaulay 100%. And he added, unreal, with two exclamation points. <laughs> uh, and then he said to me, feel free to share how pissed I am. <laughs> So I did. So he did. Yeah, I shared it. I you shared know. it immediately <laughs> because he might not have felt free that much well, longer. So yeah, as as a reporter, that's like that's that's pretty good when you're like, no, please put this out yes, there. Please, oh, please okay. No, I I'm, think I will. Yeah. Well, Day, Day's comments were interesting after the game. 
again, people are getting to know Ryan Day a little bit as a as a head coach. I mean, think of one like headline Ryan Day said all year. Like, yeah. he, he's not a no. he's a measured guy. If you're not around him a lot, I think he would trend more towards boring than yeah. engaging. Not in a bad way. No, he's great on football. He answers all questions, but he isn't like trying to draw any attention to himself. He's right. a deflector more than anything. Yep. He used uh, he used the word angry as as a way to like like he. He basically said we got F and Rob without saying we got F and Rob. Yeah. That was how I interpreted it, just right. from sort of reading. Well, now, and, then, and, and then his boss went further than that. Yeah. So he said, quote, proud, sad, and certainly angry. Yeah. And he, you know, you gotta watch the film, ba 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 ba. But and I feel like when people go through with a level head and a day under their belt to look at it all, you would think the Dobbins drop in the end zone was a drop. You would think that by the letter of the rule, the other most annoying question in football is what is targeting. Yeah. But you would you would think that Sean Wade's targeting is targeting because he lowered his head and made contact with Trevor Lawrence is Salman. And I don't believe the head dip on Lawrence. Like it's look, it's a tough call. And the punishment is not equal to the crime, so so to speak. But I have no problem that it was called because that's the way it reads. Uh, that's the way it reads in the rule book. And then obviously no issue with the with the roughing the plane. I mean, he, yeah, yeah right. He, no. he crushed yeah. him. But those were the yeah. ones, that, those were the calls that essentially led to points. Right. And then there's not an argument. That call, you know, the anger was everything basically got directed towards that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, I think, by far the most controversial call in the one, you know, like you said, that Ohio State fans will talk about forever the way Miami fans are still talking about the Ohio State or the penalty against Ohio State in 2002. You know, yeah, that one will live on in infamy. You know, but it's just they they have a right to to go back, plow over that, be mad about it and everything. But they also had the game in their hands at the end, too. You know, I mean, despite all that stuff, they're driving down the field and they have that just the fatal disconnect between Alave and. uh, It was a bad call. It was a critical call. It was not the reason they lost. Right. The self they had five trips inside the 25. Yeah. Three field goals, one touchdown and then obviously interception. yeah. Yeah. They had eight penalties for 77 yards, and they quite frankly didn't finish the job. Right. They had they 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 could have been up 28 nothing in the first half. Yeah. And they could have they could have turned him into Oklahoma. They could yes, which we will get to that shortly here. But yeah, the the the, the key update here is I have just opened my second Heineken, so <laughs> podcast is getting better as we have a little bit more to drink. Here at three, what is now three fifteen and three twenty in the morning. So three twenty a.m. Okay, three twenty a.m. seems like a fine time to discuss the annihilation of Oklahoma that LSU laid down. First and foremost, let's talk real quick though about the horrible tragedy that befell Steve Ensminger, yeah, the offensive coordinator uh, I, there. I mean, I mean it's hard to wrap your mind around. Oh, right? just you know, I mean unspeakable the morning of the game his daughter-in-law married to his son steve ensminger jr dies in a plane crash and you know i mean to have that i mean just you know one of the worst events you could possibly imagine and it's the day of this playoff game and he goes on the coaches and i you know that's a that's a 100 personal decision that i don't think anybody needs to judge one way or the other but i, I could you even imagine just going through like the clash of emotions that he had on this day. 
and I just can't help but think uh, Carly McCord is yes. the young woman's name, uh, 30 yeah. years old. Yeah. She was a, a sports reporter in New Orleans. You want to talk about like our business, just, just two awful, awful tragedies. Terrible. Right? In the, in the, at Ashoff. Yeah. At Ashoff, like there was just a lot of emotion here at the uh, Fiesta Bowl this week from his colleagues, his friends. Chuck Culpepper uh, did an awesome tribute to him tonight. Handed yeah. out just sort of like uh, lanyards with his yeah, picture, yeah. pictures, which I just thought was a really classy and thoughtful thing to uh, do. I did not know Carly McCord personally. Um, I don't think you did either. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you know, she also seemed just like a like like a bright light. And uh, yeah, I mean, just what a what an awful, unspeakable tragedy. Terrible, terrible. And then I, you know, I mean. We, we will discuss the game. And, uh, I mean, LSU was brilliant, as they have been. I, did, I mean, they are on a hell of a roll, you know. Joe Burrow, I mean, obviously won the Heisman by the, the lengths that he did. But yeah. seven first-half touchdown passes. I don't think we've seen a more dominant player in the history of college football. Right. Like, no, I really don't. No, no, no. He really, really might really be having, like, the best season ever. ever. It's like, possible. Ever. It's very and possible. that's not, like, millennial prisoner of the moment. That's, no. like... He is lapping the competition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you had told me a year ago today that Joe Burrow and his 57% completion percentage <laughs> and yeah, kind year. of like a like like not great arm and obviously he was dealing with some prehistoric schemes, which didn't help him either. But if you had told me he would have run away with the Heisman, I would have like uh, told you to go. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get I mean, some prescriptions filled. Because that just <laughs> would not have been a realistic scenario. No. I, I have never seen a quarterback improve their completion percentage by 20% in no. a year. And he just keeps getting better. It's not like anyone. No, that's the thing. I mean, like the play he made where he, you know, he's scrambling, rolling right, rolling right, rolling right to the, like the last step before he goes out of bounds. Has and ESPN then, replayed it yet, by the way? <laughs> yeah, ESPN refused to replay that, and I don't understand why. It was driving me crazy because it's the most interesting play of the whole game. Yes. It's like, how did he do that? You know, and he throws it to Terrace Marshall, who had been pushed out of bounds, back in bounds, but he just, you know, he lays it out there to a place where only Marshall's going to get It's like it. a trick shot. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was just a gorgeous play. And that's the kind of stuff he's just done this year. I mean, he just he has feel. He never gives up on anything. He has accuracy. Uh, he's got guts. I'm just in awe of the season he's having. I don't think they're going to lose. They probably won't. But we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, here no, I don't, don't want to jump the gun there, but I'm just like think, and I really think a lot of this comes to him like I. There is like Davos kind of said it's our DNA, like how they won and everything. Like that was a program win tonight. Oh, totally. You know, it was a program win tonight because there were times when they had no business right. winning winning that winning that football game. But yep. yes, now here's a question: like, because as brilliant as Burrow was, that was not a surprise. You and I both thought like right. there was not any like mystery. Like I had I saw no scenarios where Oklahoma could win that game. Now I picked yeah. Ohio State in the other game. But it was very easy for me to see scenarios where Clemson won. Yeah. That was not a surprise. So how much criticism do you think, Pat, Oklahoma deserves at this point for flopping in now three consecutive college football players? Yeah, plenty. Yeah, plenty. You know what? I mean, it was a hell of a game against Georgia, but they also blew a massive lead in that game. Massive. And then, you know, they were not competitive last year. That was a 28-0 game. This was worse and so that's the thing is like they are not getting more competitive. They're getting less competitive. 
And, you know, it's impressive what they've done. Plug a quarterback in every year and that sort of thing. But you're not you, you can win the Big 12 and still not be anywhere near the best teams in the country. And there was some stuff that came out from Atlanta, you know, during the game, after the game, where LSU people were saying they thought uh, Oklahoma was like the fifth best team they played this year, you know? And that's the gap between the team that has dominated the Big 12 and the SEC. Yeah. Like, if Oklahoma played Auburn, I would pick Auburn. Yeah. If Oklahoma played Florida, yep. I would pick Florida. Yep. And Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. So, I mean, they look, they, I mean, I, you know, maybe they're a little like the Bills where, hey, you know what, they're getting in and you can't really say they didn't deserve to get in, although last year I questioned it. But if they don't perform when they get there, I mean, it's just it is a huge credibility hit for them. It's a huge credibility hit for their conference. And it does make the, the sport look all the more lopsided. You know, it's the SEC. It's the Big Ten. It's Clemson. Nobody else matters. Yeah, it was the worst performance in the six-year history of the college. It was. Even worse than Michigan State getting goose-egged by Alabama. Now, part of me says, okay, they had the defensive players suspended, including Rodgers, the rush end, who was there. You know, right. The, the, your one hope playing Barlow is you need someone who can bother them, which is yeah. why Ohio State, I thought, had a better chance to beat them than Clemson may because right. they have that rush defensive end. Yeah. By the way, Clemson, Xavier Thomas, Clemson star, rush defensive end. Did you see him once tonight? Didn't do anything. Yeah, didn't, didn't do, do anything. anything. The five-star no. guy, like he's like right. – Isaiah Simmons may ended up making some plays. Simmons made and, some plays, and they and, schemed some stuff yeah. up well. You know, they they, they threw some a stuff. Couple great blitzes. Yeah, they, a couple delays. Did, yeah. Couple yeah. guys went unchecked. Like, they schemed yeah. up some stuff that gave Fields a little bit of of agitation. But and that I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have any of that. They they just they're so lopsided offense defense that they, they, that program has got to fix that. That league has got to become more competitive with Oklahoma. I just think that the right now the sport has that problem where you've got four or five teams in the SEC, you've got two or three in the Big Ten, you've got Clemson, and then you've got an underachieving Pac-12 and an underachieving Big 12, and it's a problem. Yes, no, because it's not national. Right, no. The playoff has a lot of flaws, including the really crappy schedule because these games should have been. Can you imagine the rating this Ohio State game against Clemson would have done on New Year's Day? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, that's... It would have done like a 20. Right. If you had played... Oklahoma LSU at noon and then had your damn Rose Bowl where you need your damn Rose Bowl if you're going to be, you know, if you, if you have to have it and then play this game after that, oh, what a day that would be. So we are going to have a big day, January 13th in New Orleans, LSU against Clemson. It's a juicy matchup. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you have, by the way, the bar owners have to be celebrating. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, like the the only town LSU can't drink dry is New Orleans, but they'll try. Point. Yeah, they will. They'll they will. Try. They will go down swinging till yeah. sunrise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bacchanal. We'll be there. It'll be part. Of, we're actually gonna we're gonna tape a big podcast on a location there. That should be a lot of fun. Details forthcoming. Details forthcoming. There will be a lot of falderall. We do have on. quite a few listeners in that uh, in that booth. <laughs> we do. Yes. They might not like us actually. No. But, um, they do. They do. I think listen, um, which is uh, which is good. But yes, <laughs> we will uh, on Twitter take all of your restaurant and drinking recommendations. Oh yeah. I have to admit that I owe Pat a dinner at Giacomo's. Uh, Indeed. Yes. And, yeah, we, we, and, we should probably talk about the picks. By the way, oh, and, and Sully, the producer now, is like 
gone chesty as hell because he's on this torrid winning streak. <laughs> How many straight is it, Sully? How many have you won? She did just lose that Ohio State game, so uh-huh. the streak is over. But okay. before, but it before like that, it was 12. 12 in a row. That's a heater. Now, you were also 1-8 and eight to start, which undercuts your 12-0. and 0. Right, right. We don't need to bring up those first few games, though. <laughs> but I do know that I, I believe the, the up-to-date standings, am I tied with Wetzel for first? Correct. Okay, 15-7, and seven, I believe, and then you've got 13 wins, and Pete is ass last, right? A lot mm-hmm. of golf left to play. A lot, not as much golf as you may think. Not not a, as lot, much of, lot of golf left to play. So, Speaking of picks, I have to say, like, I picked for the score, Clemson 30, Ohio State 24. It ended up Clemson 29, Ohio State 23. I will accept all your adulation now. <laughs> I just think you gave as much as you, you, you're going to get. So, so you'll appreciate this. So no one enjoys like agitating Pat more than me and talking trash, especially as he has gone through like one of the worst regular seasons of picking games in history. Yes. And, and the only thing worse is his agitation towards his own ineptitude. So of course we want to stoke those flames. So Ohio state goes up, uh, 10 nothing early and it's kind of dominating the game. And so they score on that long Dobbins touchdown pass. And I look at Pat and I was like, should I order the alligator cheesecake appetizer now at Giacomo's? Because we had a dinner bet at uh, Giacomo's yeah, in New Orleans, which is game. a great yeah. uptown restaurant that uh, I would highly recommend to anyone, but not going when we're there because I don't want to wait in line that long. But yeah, Giacomo's is like, like Southern kind of comfort food, unbelievable like fried chicken snapper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, You're going to buy me the fried chicken. Lots of abitas. I will buy you the fried chicken. I will happily buy you the fried chicken. No question. And so I'm, I'm losing I'm losing all of the betting. Uh, and again, we don't really bet. But losing all our little inter, inter-pod betting credibility but that we yeah, can pass. But yeah, 10-0, Pete started chirping. <laughs> and I did get a little snappy back yeah. at him. Like, there's, it's eight minutes left in the first like, quarter. What's the fun of having a bet if you can't chirp about it. <laughs> Would you have to shake your hand and then, good sir, a fine wager. <laughs> I haven't chirped yet about winning. Well, yeah, and then, by the way, so they go up 16 nothing, and you look back and he's like, okay, you can order it now. Yeah, <laughs> you conceded losing. <laughs> yeah, I had at that point because, God, it looked like a round. But we will uh, we will have a championship game. Give me give me your, your brief overview thoughts on LSU Clemson. So they would be summed up by going Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. <laughs> like, my God, Clemson's inability in general impotence on their defensive front really scares me. Now, like Dabo says, it's his best back seven, and that's their identity, and their DBs did make some plays. They intercepted Justin Fields twice, which is two more, you know, double his season yeah, total. Been picked they, off once all year. They could have done it four times. Yeah, right, right. Easily. So they dropped a couple. Yeah. Easily. Easily, including a pick six. So I feel like their defensive backs could be a little bit more menacing than some of the other people LSU has lawnmowered this year. If you don't pressure Joe Burrow, he's playing duck hunt. Right, right. And that's the thing is, is, I mean, Fields had a lot of time most of the time. Yes. Fields didn't play that well. No, he really didn't. He just, he was not sharp. Missed some guys in the end zone. Uh, just, yeah, he was just, he was just okay. I, if there's one criticism I had a day tonight, like they went away from that tempo. Like I, I right. And again, it worked very well. It's easy for me to send the press box to say, Hey, you get them in rhythm. Yeah. These things right. have to happen again, rhythm and you have to, well, and the tempo is hard to maintain for yes. 60 minutes. It no, really it is. is. So, no, I mean, I'm with you that on paper and really probably on everything else, it's hard not to think that LSU 
is going to win. I think Vegas has already established him as a five-point favorite in that game. Well, that's a good question because I'm going to pick Clemson because I already picked him. I picked him to win the whole thing, so I'm sticking with it. I mean, quite honestly, if I hadn't done that, I would, I would certainly pick LSU because I just think the way they're playing is uh, who's who the heck is going to beat them? Yeah, I think I'm going to pick LSU, but what I will do is what I did last year, and it served me well, is I called a bunch of coaches who know a heck of a lot more about football than me. Right. And from calling around to coaches last year, I ended up writing a column that basically said, I think Clemson's going to win. And well, here's the path to Clemson's victory. And it very much got laid out in that, in that way. And a lot of that was like Trevor Lawrence was still a little bit of the new toy, you know, like, like people knew who he was. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like he was like, they found him under a rock or anything, but you know, if, if they're going to win, Trevor Lawrence is going to have to be game of his life. Right. To a degree, he did that tonight. At least, you know, it wasn't like his greatest passing night, but he had to do so much. He was 87.8% of their yardage output, you know, between running and passing. Uh, I looked, Deshaun Watson in that great game against Alabama was 91%. So it was similar. I mean, yeah. it was that Watson-esque kind of, I'm going to put the team on my shoulders thing. And so can you ask for more than that? I don't know. They need T. Higgins healthy. Because without him, they right. were like a two-wheeled tricycle. It didn't yeah. work. Yeah, like, and that's, there was just... you know, the one thing, another, it, it, it's not necessarily an advantage, but something that will help Clemson is they were just in a friggin' brawl, a street fight, and they've got 16 days to recover. You know, the longest window we've had between semifinals and finals. Yeah, 16 days for Dabo to establish how they're not respected. Yeah. So we're, did you walk in the Clemson locker room? Oh, yeah, they're playing the Aretha Franklin respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is a bit of color that uh, I was, I was, I have to admit, I like rolled my eyes and almost. Oh, like it's ridiculous! Dizzy. It's yeah. absurd, but they they're using it and it's working for them to a degree, I guess. I mean, you know, they've bought in on it. But one team had a spa treatment game today. That's LSU. One team had an alley fight. So the 16 game window helps the team that had the alley fight. Now, does it help them enough? I don't know because. Nobody's come close to stopping Clemson, or I mean LSU, other than Auburn. Well, this is the question we really need to ask our listeners: is if Ed Orgeron did get a spa treatment, what would his treatment be? <laughs> that is that, what. Here's that is what you yes. know. We could probably ask Bruce Feldman because he's probably gone to the spa with Ed Orgeron before. <laughs> Perhaps maybe he gets his back waxed or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> with a weed whacker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, put it on high. <laughs> I would love to see Ed Orgeron at a spa (laughs) would be like. Bring him to the camelback. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be like one of the best things. Put cucumbers on his eyes and stuff, you know, a little facial treatment. Oh, my goodness. We need need this. We need Ed at a spa. He's going to get a massage. They'd have to use like a chisel. Uh, well, we 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 uh, <laughs> one has a green mask. Yeah, you know? right. yeah. <laughs> exfoliating. exfoliating. We're gonna exfoliate. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it's three thirty-six. Yeah, it's three thirty-six. It's time to wrap this got shit off up. the rails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time to wrap up. The Wait, Wetzel, Wetzel was smart to bag out on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wetzel is a coward and a loser for not joining yes. us. But he's uh, like gallivanting around Santa Monica. Yeah, like, he's taking yeah. his taking his daughter's drinking with his coworkers. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> he's being a good family man for the first time ever. Yeah, uh, uh, we will have Wetzel back with us at our next pod. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be, TBD. But uh, give this one a listen. Give it a review. 
And uh, have, have a happy a, new year. Have a great new year. And we'll be back in 2020 bigger than ever. Thanks for listening.